This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello empaths, welcome to the show. We hope you're having a beautiful start to your week. We're going to be sharing some great questions and stories that you all have taken the time to share. And we always say this, but we do love this episode because it's time where we get to really show what a community we are and how much we're growing. And we're all in this together. How are you doing, Denise? I'm okay. And and I love that you added that on because I think community is so important right now. We really need to reach out and hold space for each other as much as we possibly can. I agree to that. All right, I'm going to start us off. Our first one says, I'm working to release some past life blocks and heal some inner childhood wounds, just generally trying to clear the past and make a clean slate for my future. Are there any crystals you'd recommend to help with this? Well, first of all, I just want to say, I believe that something almost magical happens when we set these really big intentions for clearing, healing, and releasing. And what I've noticed in my own life is just just by thinking about it, meditating on it, maybe journaling about it and setting that intention, things will start to shift in my life in wonderful ways. I'll meet someone who says something that I need to hear. I'll find a book that says exactly what I need to read that's going to help me with that. I'll find a crystal and I'll read about it and go, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I'm intending right now. So just hats off to you for setting this really, really big intention. One of my favorite crystals for working with past life recall is a left timeline activator crystal. And that is any clear quartz crystal you find that has a parallelogram shaped window on one of its faces or sides that points to the left. And that is said to help you access aspects from your past, either your childhood or a past life, depending on the intention you set for your work with that crystal. So that would be my go-to. But also smithsonite is really great for that as well. It's one of its main jobs is to heal inner childhood wounds. And smithsonite is a beautiful stone. You can find it in lovely shades of purples, blues, and greens. And it often grows in this, in this botryoidal shape. It's just, it's a really soothing stone in general. Uh, chiastolite is also great for this. Pink opal is so... Uh, nurturing. I call it the supreme nurturer. So it's a great stone for self-love and learning to mother yourself. So I think that would be a good one. Almost all of the chalcedonies are recommended for inner nurturing and healing. 
especially orange chalcedony, uh, carnelian as well. Prainite is a, my final recommendation. It's that beautiful green stone that's nicknamed the healer's healer because it helps you learn how to heal yourself and set boundaries and space and, and positive intentions for your own growth. So past life, timeline, activator, clear quartz, smithsonite, geostolite, pink opal, chalcedony, and prainite. Wow, that's a lot. How common is the crystal with the left spacing? You'd be surprised. I love to go into crystal stores and they'll often, you know, clear quartz is like, you remember those movies in the 80s and the girl would be like totally overlooked by everyone because she wore glasses. And then at the end, she'd take off her glasses and everyone would go, oh my gosh, you're beautiful. Come join us. Do you remember that like trope yeah. that went through the 80s movies? That's how I feel about clear quartz. It's like so overlooked. And so you'll go into these crystal stores and you'll often see like a cardboard box or a wicker basket. And there's all these clear quartz points just dumped in there. And there'll be a little sign that says like two to five dollars. How about it? That's a treasure trove, Denise. I'll go through those. And usually my kids are with me and I'll be like, oh my gosh, this is an ISIS point. They don't even know what they have here. Or this is a Jane Dow channeler, which is very rare, but not really. So you'd be surprised if you look through those little quartz points you see in metaphysical stores. I have them all over my house because they're not that they're not that hard to find. And I love, I really do love clear quartz. I think it's the, you've, we've talked about this. It's an activator for all the energy. But what I've noticed lately is I've been comparing the feel because you know, that's how I don't know enough about it, but I go by feel of like a, a clear quartz from the Himalayan region versus, you know, uh, South America versus the States versus, and just feeling the subtle frequency differences between them which is kind of fun. Oh, that really is. I love crystals that come from the Himalayan areas. Uh, our our friend who sent us the Himalayan uh, black tourmaline and the clear quartz. Yes. Such beautiful energy in that. I think that's a wonderful way to learn your crystals too, is to look at where they're sourced. Mm -hmm. Well, and thank you for all that really good information about the different crystals. Sure. Um, our next one, my partner and I just bought a house and I'm still getting to know it and it's energy. I've never felt a presence or at least one that's unhappy that we're there and I sleep more soundly than I ever have in my entire life. I grew up in an old house and went to college in Charleston, South Carolina. I know when I'm not alone to say the least. A couple nights ago, I was super restless, spiraling about life while lying in bed when I heard seven distinct knocks on a door downstairs. I'd immediately pulled up our ring camera app and looked to see who was there, but no one stood at the door. No one was even in the street or walking by. I stared at the live camera footage for about 10 minutes, waiting to see something, but nothing happened. I started getting freaked out thinking about whether it was a person or something else, and the knocks kept replaying in my head. I know it was seven knocks with no doubt in my mind. Eventually, I woke up my partner to scan the house with me. We peeked out of windows and checked behind every door, still no sign of anything or anyone physical. When we returned to bed, I had to address my current fight or flight response my body had adopted and told myself to calm down. You're not in danger. What if it was a sign? What was I thinking about before I heard the knocks? But I don't remember exactly what preceded the knocks. 
One thought was about my partner's brother battling gnarly brain cancer and how much I love him and his family. I know I thought about my grandma at some point and how, although she is so strong and independent, I worry about her being alone and far away. I was wishing she would move closer to family. I also remember thinking about a symbolic tree from a dream I've had and carving the initials of me plus the, the person I strive to be like, professionally speaking, my idol woman in business. After this swamp of thoughts, I was interrupted by the knocks. I started looking up the symbolism of knocks and got a little scared because there's a theory that people hear knocking before someone dies. Was my brother-in-law going to make it? Is my grandma okay? Is the person I strive to be not meant to be? I know seven is a holy number and symbolic of God, heaven, and the Holy Spirit. And although I'm not religious, I wonder if this translates to the universe as a whole. Maybe my thoughts have been heard and I'm validated that all is in good hands. Or is this an experience of warning to brace for a super transformative year, good or bad? Have you two experienced anything like this? What does your intuition say about the vibe of this sign? Uh, I think that no matter how long you do this work, no matter how much you trust spirit, no matter how open you are and curious, when you get abruptly awakened by a noise, a sound, a knock, that's, that's shattering. That's really, really hard to stay in the, I'm so Zen and isn't this cool? It must be a sign. It is for me anyway. Oh yeah. Uh, I think Ed and Lorraine <laughs> Warren would be like, ah, who's there? <laughs> and and I think the seven is significant. I didn't get a foreboding feeling. I'm I I'm not a big fan of um you know the the whole I don't want to refer to them as old wives' tales, but the the old lore that is always so fear-based. I, I think that we're, maybe that's part of where we all are right now in stepping into our own power and light is saying, this may be an indicator, but I'm not going to let it be mine. Right, exactly. And I think there's so many other issues that surround this, the feelings and the thoughts that she had before this happened. My first instinct was it was spirit either her ancestors or her guides knocking to say, whoa, slow down there with those. I love how she called it her swamp of thoughts. Isn't that mm -hmm. That is. And I felt like they were knocking to say, wake up, girly, like get out of this, you know, swamp of negative spiraling worry. We're here for you. We got your back. So that was the way I took it. But I completely understand why she emailed us because these things happen and we're like, what, what, wait, what's going on? Do I need to brace for something? And it's a reminder of how little in our life is really in our control. And, and those old wives tales, Denise, I feel the same way as you do. And, and yet, and yet, and yet, mm -hmm. I remember, I don't know, five years ago now, I was upstairs in my little office writing and I do have a cat door. So maybe the cat, I don't know, but there was a bird flying in my house. And the house was all decorated for Christmas. And so I had, you know how you have like the the fake Christmas trim. I have, I have it, I always pin it to the inside of all my windows too. That wren <laughs> went from one garland to another for like six hours. I could not get that bird out of my house. I videoed it and I posted it on Facebook. 
And a bunch of friends were like, oh, that's a wren. That's a good sign. Don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, but we all know what it means when a bird flies in your house. Nothing happened. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of on high alert. And then here's my yet. You know, when my mother was about to get sick, if you remember me sharing with you guys, that bird kept tapping at the window. Right. Every day. And we were like, oh, hello. So I don't know if those old wives are are supported to this day because of experiences like that, or if it's us trying to prescribe meaning to these things that happen. But I always say you have to go with your feelings because there was something peaceful about that little wren in my house all day. I remember writing and I, I I remember coming downstairs and checking on it. I left a little bowl of bird seed on my dining room table for it. You know, it was kind of, I don't know, there's something comforting about it. Whereas the bird knocking at my mom's window, my sister kept videoing it and telling and sharing it to me and saying, something's, something's up. This feels weird. This feels different. So don't you think no matter what is happening, knocking on the door or a bird flying in, you have to always go within and think, how is this making me feel? And trusting that rather than what you or I say, or old wives say, or, and poor wives, can we stop calling them old? (laughs) Why is it at every young wives, new wives, honeymooning wives? (laughs) But don't you think you have to go with what your, your heart is feeling? Yes. And I think you are absolutely spot on with that it was spirit, it was ancestors, it was angelic team, whatever this person's dream team support, where that comes in from, was to let them know, let this person know that she's not alone, and that they are there, and they're going to help her work through this. And one little thing, and I did it this morning, because right now with the energies in the world, it's hard not to get in that spiral, is just take five minutes and get a pen and paper and just dump it out, just pour it out, whether it's, I haven't cleaned up my yard before winter, my kids are this, just like, take five minutes and dump it out. And you're going to be amazed with just a little semblance of peace that comes in once you clear all that, the that stuff out of the cobwebs. I think we should copy this listener. And I think we should title that my swamp thoughts. <laughs> You know what image I keep seeing is Cher slapping Nicolas Cage and Moonstruck going, snap out of it. <laughs> I feel like her, you know, like her guides were knocking on the door to be like, snap out of it. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Our next one says, I wanted to share a special story that involves my family member and the single greatest synchronicity of my life. My brother had been battling metatastic melanoma to the brain for four years and he passed away this summer. Back when his cancer treatment first began in July of 2019, he was admitted into a rehab facility as the powerful treatments took a major toll on his body and he needed help regaining his strength. Fast forward a few weeks after he passed away, his daughter was scrolling through his Facebook page and came across an extraordinary post from 2019. It was a photo of the rehab's recreation calendar. My brother had circled July 27th and added several stars around it. He did that because someone named Karen was doing Reiki at the rehab facility, and ironically, a friend of mine also named Karen was going to be doing Reiki for him remotely on that exact same day. We all got a kick out of the serendipity, and that was why he circled and starred the date. 
Well, he passes away four years later to the exact day on July 27th. As a medium and someone who's been communicating with spirit for two decades, I can say this is one of the most profound examples that we do in fact live in the matrix, whatever that means. To make this synchronicity even more powerful, the comment sections to his Facebook post said, July 27th was a very interesting date thanks to number five. He calls me number five as I'm the fifth sibling in our family. More to come on that in the future is what he added. I thought your podcast community would appreciate the significance of this extraordinary synchronicity. Now I'm convinced more than ever that time is not linear and at a soul level, although our human brains have a hard time grasping this, we can know information at a subconscious level, even including the day of our passing. Wow. What do you think about that? I love the validation. I love the synchronicity. And, and it's it's a beautiful story, but I, I do. I think this is another way of saying, you know, we're all tapping into that available collective energy that doesn't have the constraints of time and space. There's It's limitless. It is absolutely limitless. I, I'm kind of weird about like knowing when you're going to pass. I don't, I don't think that's, I don't want to know. I don't either. I don't know, because I, I think that that puts a timeline on things that, and I don't think it's our call. <laughs> I mean, maybe we contracted for it coming into this life. Okay, I'll be here. I'll do this. This is how I'll pass. These are the lessons I'll get from it. But if I knew, okay, I have X amount of time and this is going to happen, that would completely change my outlook on on life. Yeah, it would be, it would be weird. But the numerology of people's dates, birth and, and endings is interesting to look at, you know, mm -hmm. for example, my, one of my daughter's friends, her father had a lucky number. I can't remember. Let's say it's 28. And that was his football Jersey number that, you know, it was everything was, and he died on the 28th. And that always felt strange. I saw a, a weird Facebook post, you know, over the Halloween season, like creepy things. And one of them was this guy was assigned a license plate and it had like, I don't know, ABC. And then it was like 5293. And he ended up dying on May 2nd, 1993. Oh my. Like that's weird, right? Yeah. But I agree with the listener that time is not linear. Mm -hmm. And I agree that on some subconscious level, our soul must know. I agree. We pre-plan most of this. It is more like a blueprint than a you know, predestined map, but I agree with, I agree with her that we know. Yes. I just don't want to consciously know. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. But this is a great story. I'm glad this person shared it with us because it, it also, the, they had mentioned that they're a practicing medium. So they know that there's something more. And, you know, I, I was talking, having a conversation with someone yesterday about that. When you truly in your heart, believe that there's something more, even if you can't physically touch it. That's such a comfort. It really is. Okay. Um, our next one. Last night I was awake browsing Facebook in the dark while my husband and dog slept sounding next to me. I suddenly felt something touch me on the arm. I looked at the spot, my sleeping husband and dog. Nothing was close to my arm. I realized there really wasn't any way my husband could have touched me without movement on the bed. Anyway, this was 
my second strange touch while all was quiet in my bedroom. The other was about a year ago when I felt what seemed to be the soft padded side of a large animal paw. I have small dogs and cats, but they were sleeping. This time it was early morning and my husband was off to work, but the feeling was so distinct. I'd love any thoughts on these experiences. I think we get a lot of visits in the night. I really do because we're more receptive. Uh, even if you're just laying awake, scrolling, or you're still in a, a more subdued, quiet, receptive space than if you're full speed ahead in your day. Uh, I think that animals are, you know, it could be a, a spirit animal. It could be an animal who passed. It could be a, I think that they have, they come in and visit as well. What do you think? Yeah, I know. I agree. But I also would like to add if, if this, if you find this intriguing and interesting and it makes you curious, like, oh, who are you? Then you can dive into meditation and, and journaling and maybe even some dream insights that way. But if you're more like me and you're like, don't touch me, then it's important. <laughs> I don't want it. You know, I don't want anything invisible touching me in the middle of the night. I don't want it knocking on my door either. No, thank you. But I think it's so important to understand that you can, you can say no to that. It mm -hmm. is your energy. It is your aura. It is your body. And by God, with how busy we all are at night, that is your time. And so you have every right to say thank you, but no thank you. And really set that firm, firm boundary. All it takes is setting that intention and saying it out loud. And from the way this is written, the person wasn't scared or upset no. or yeah. frightened. So that goes back to what you said a few minutes ago about trust the energy that you're feeling around something. Yeah. And, and I think that our spirit guys and our angels know that, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I'm laying in bed and I shut everything off, I will often see a little spark, like an orb. Do you ever see that as you're falling? Yep. And it's always up in the ceiling. And I feel like it's just my angel saying like, good night, my dear, you know, we're watching over you all as well. And I love that. And it comforts me. And I'm sure they know that. And that's why that happens. Now, if my angel decided to pat me on the shoulder, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> and so we think they understand who we are. And so possibly this is your animal guide um, or the person who was gently touching you on your, I think it was on your shoulder, um, was an angel just saying like, you know, we're watching over you. We're protecting you while you sleep and during the day all as well. And they understood that that wouldn't freak you out. Because if, if it's something negative and they want to scare you, they're going to let that be known that they're not of the light. That's an excellent point. Yeah, they definitely will. Okay. Our next one says, Samantha mentioned a bird in the episode that was pecking at her mom's back door for a few months, and it really resonated with me. In early September to late December, I had a golden finch tapping and pecking at my bedroom window daily. At first, I thought it was so cute and nice to have this bird visiting me. kind of made me feel like Snow White. But when it kept coming back day after day for weeks, it started giving me an eerie feeling. I live in southern Ontario, Canada, and I found it odd that this bird was so active this late in the season. At this time, my stepmother was battling stage four inflammatory breast cancer, and my closest sister was five to six months pregnant. I couldn't help but think that this bird was here to tell me something, as it had now been around for nearly four months. I tried to stay positive and not worry about my family members going through major life changes. 
I had done some research on the spiritual meaning of seeing a golden finch, and most pointed toward optimism, health, and inner peace. This gave me hope. The morning of my birthday, December 21st, I was anticipating my golden friend to greet me while I sipped my morning coffee, but he did not appear. I figured he was just busy elsewhere, but I would see him later, as I had daily for nearly four months. He never came back. I interpreted that his work with me was complete. On January 24th, my cat Leo had gotten outside, was struck by a car, and passed away. The next day, the finch was back. Couldn't help but think that this bird was back to help me process or warn of another loss. My heart sank even deeper. My mind raced with horrible thoughts of possibilities of my sister having complications with her pregnancy or my stepmother succumbing to her battle with cancer. After only a week of this bird being back, it left. My father and stepmother received horrible news two days later. Her cancer was terminal and she would have only a couple of months to live. On March 7th, my sister birthed a beautiful baby boy. He is the first grandchild of our family as well as her husband's and is perfect in every way. Six days later, our stepmother succumbed to her illness and passed away. To me, this golden finch was not only a messenger, but a symbol of the wheel of life. I lost my Leo, gained my nephew, and lost my stepmother all within two months. Looking back, I feel deeply that a sacrifice of sorts was needed to ensure the safe passage of my nephew into this life. I know it sounds weird and maybe morbid, but it's just the feeling my intuition gave me and possibly a way for me just to make sense of it all. My stepmother wanted to be here for the birth of her grandchild, and she was, even if it was for just a short time. The dates of my nephew's birth and my stepmother's death are also very interesting from a numerological and astrological standpoint. Though sadness, beauty, love, and sadness again swept my emotions over those months, this bird and his visitations bring comfort to me now. Wow. Okay. First, I want to say that this is such a good reminder to me and hopefully to all of us listening together. Sometimes these things happen, the knocking at the door, the bird flying into the house, the golden finch visiting you every day. Um, that summer um, in 2005, before my former husband was shot in the line of duty, when I found heart-shaped seashells on the beach every single day. And we have these things happen and we're like, what does it mean? What does it mean? Let me ask Samantha and Denise. Let me you know, ask in meditation. And sometimes we don't know until everything happens and we're able to look back. And I'll tell you, like for me, when I found those heart-shaped heart seashells on the beach every day that summer, I, I knew it meant something. I just didn't know what. And when I was able to process everything that had happened and look back on it, those heart-shaped shells brought me so much comfort because I realized that these beautiful moments in life and these tragic moments in life and these amazing births and deaths, it's all a part of life and it's all here to serve us, to help us to grow. And it's such a, such a difficult thing to accept in the moment when we're going through those difficult times, at least for me. If like when I was sitting in the hospital praying that that Mike would live that summer, if someone had said like, this is happening to you, Samantha, not for you, or, you know, what is the saying, Denise? This is happening for you, not to you. I would have slapped them silly, right? <laughs> you don't need to hear that. No. But upon reflection, when everything's over and you can, you can start dealing with it all and unpacking those emotions, it really is comforting to know that it's all like our other listener was saying, time is not linear. Mm -hmm. 
That's my rambling swamp thought. I think you need to help. <laughs> no, it wasn't swampy at all. I, but I, I think this also, it from my perspective, mirrors it, that the bird was a messenger. Was it someone in spirit using that bird to say, "You're there's some stuff coming up, but we're going to help you get through it." And the fact that I, when as you were reading it, I was thinking about how many people that but that all of us know would hear this story and say it was just a bird it was there what do you make why are you making this into more of it's not anything more than just a bird happens to be there but when it's so consistent and persistent as far as letting you know it's around similar to your bird knocking on the window how can you not take it as a sign or as something more i think that the timing the uh the the line of all the events in this that happened really do exemplify how connected we are to all that is. I agree. Have you seen the bird test? It's kind of going around TikTok. I don't TikTok, so I don't know. Okay. All right. You're so much better than me. Denise. No, no, no. I'm not better. I just don't. I just, I don't know. Anyway, what's the bird there's test? This, there's this thing going around. It's called the bird test. And it says, if you're in a relationship or a friendship with someone and you're walking and you see a, a bird that you think is beautiful. Oh, look at that hawk. Oh, look at that finch perched on the tree. And your friend or partner doesn't really respond. Oh yeah, it's a bird. Okay. And then keeps going. That's not a good sign for your relationship. But if the person says, oh, yeah, that is a beautiful hawk. Wow, what a great day it is out here. Then that's a really good sign for your relationship. What do you think about that? I think people have too much time on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have another bird question. So okay. Stay in the theme. All right. The next one says, I keep finding crow feathers. Does this mean anything? I have been finding them at work while walking with my dogs in the park. I even found one in the grocery store parking lot. I, I love crows. I think they are amazing. They're so smart. I mean, they have voice, they have facial recognition. Like if they see you, they're gonna recognize you. So don't do mean shit to crows because they're gonna find you. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but they will. I think I shared this story a long time ago. There was this guy that was kind of angry and he was he had crows in his yard and he was yelling at him and throwing and I said you don't want to piss the crows off they're not going to like it and he said oh Denny stop it and he called me like three or four days later and he said you're not going to believe this and I said what and he said the crows are here in Maine because of the um the snow loads a lot of people have metal roofs so the snow will slide off and he had um metal roofs and the crows were up on top as soon as the sun was coming up pecking on the top of the on the roof and wow. i and and he said how do i make them stop and i said you're not going to believe me but you need to go out and you need to apologize to them and say you're sorry and he said oh that's crazy and i said it's going to work just take my word for it and he called me back and he said they're gone he said but they gave me a dirty look <laughs> So anyway, crows are fascinating. They're uh, a, a dear, dear friend of mine is has strong, strong crow medicine and, and does a lot with crows. And they're just a fabulous bird. But this is a, a little quick thing from um, the Pocket Guide to Spirit Animals by Dr. Stephen Farmer. 
And it just says crows are about you're on the verge of manifesting something you've been working toward for a while. Be very watchful over the next couple of days for any clear omens or signs that will guide you and teach you. Expect a big change very soon. You've noticed something that's out of balance or an injustice that hasn't been addressed, and it's important to speak up about it. And you're about to get a glimpse into some future event that affects you directly. So some of that may apply, but I think when the there's a consistency in certain types of feathers or birds or animals showing up, it's always good to pay attention and don't piss them off. And don't piss them off. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Okay, our last one just really summarizes up so many emails I've gotten uh, in the last several weeks. And, and I just want to thank everyone for reaching out to send condolences about the passing of my mom. And you know, Denise, a lot of listeners have sent me beautiful cards. And I, I called Deb, who's like my Southern, you know, lady friend, like she knows all the Southern polite stuff. And I'm like, I really want to like, thank these, like, do I, do you send a thank you card for a card? <laughs> that doesn't, really makes sense. Right. But she said, no, Samantha, it's fine to just accept the card. <laughs> but I want to just say thank you so much for taking time to do all of that. And, and this email, I just want to share, because like I said, I've, I've gotten a lot like this. Um, and it says, I'm so very sorry for your loss. Hearing this made my heart sink deeply. And I can only imagine all the complicated feelings you must have around this profound loss. I'm sending you much love, positive vibes and strength as you heal. I also want to thank you and her for sharing all the stories about your relationship through the years. I've seen myself in so many of them and know the frustration, sadness, and anger of a cantankerous mom. I just have to say, however, that you've been a wonderful role model of hope that dealing with a difficult mother can be done with grace, humor, and dignity. You've helped me see, too, that spiritually, we all play divine roles for one another, and our moms lovingly volunteered in the before earth to give us lessons on decency, boundaries, strength, and self-love, even if it's showing us what not to do, LOL. Anyway, I'll be praying for your mom that she's crossed over safely and is healing and happy with your dad on the other side. Hats off to her for playing her role magnificently and shaping such a loving, beautiful, strong, and soulful person like yourself. May she rest in peace and love until you see each other again. So I just thought that was such a beautiful note. And I also just wanted to say, like I said, I, I got so many emails like this that I put them into like a little folder on my on my desktop because what kept coming up, Denise, and has through the years of doing this show with you is thank you for sharing your stories about your mom. And I know I've said this before, but I really do feel that there is still an unspoken taboo about sharing that you have a difficult relationship with your mom. I don't feel it that much with the dads. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But to say like, yeah, my mom's kind of mean, or my mom's really negative, or, uh, you know, my mom didn't speak to me for two years over this stupid thing or whatever. Um, there's like a taboo about that. And I used to feel it a lot when I talked on, on the podcast. And, you know, sometimes my sisters <laughs> would call me and be like, shut up, like stop <laughs> sharing stuff. Right. And so I felt really bad about that. And then I would get these emails and I was like, no, like, I think it's so important to break this taboo because the one thing that, well, there's several things that motivate me in life, but 
But one that's incredibly motivating to me is honesty and authenticity. Nothing pisses me off more than fake phony people, right? And and I can't I can't be fake on this show. I can't be fake in my life. And I think it's important to be honest about all of you and all of your relationships. And so having a difficult relationship with a mother is so hard because I don't think anywhere in society gives us the language or the tools or even the emotions to properly comprehend a lack of mother love. It is a wound and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to deal with. So anyway. That was a beautiful note and a beautiful, thank you for sharing that from your heart because it takes a level of bravery to share situations that are taboo or that are maybe not as socially acceptable. And one of the things that I don't share as openly about some of my family of origin stuff, but because we were both raised Catholic and for many, many years, I would play that over and over and over in my head, honor thy mother and father. And I would think, how do you do that if you're not feeling honored or loved or supported? And you made a really important point of by sharing that transparency, by allowing yourself to be that vulnerable with the listeners, you are allowing other people to heal as well. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, a book I would recommend just on that point is um, Alice Miller, The Body Never Lies. She has a whole chapter on that fourth commandment and how it's it's a contradiction in terms, you know, where she says that we we cannot delude ourselves or deceive our bodies when when someone is being rude or mean to us. And so um, that's that's a really good book for processing just just that idea. Um, I do want to share something kind of funny real quick before we wrap up. When my uh, sisters and I were trying to write our eulogies, it kind of bothered us because we didn't have like a lot of loving memories that we could easily draw up, right? Mm-hmm. When you have an angry parent, there's not going to be a lot of cuddly, warm memories. And it so we just, we wrote kind of funny eulogies about some of the rules mom taught us in life. Like you can never be too overdressed, but uh, it did bother me. It has sat with me. And about a week after the funeral, I woke up on a Sunday morning. I have no memory of a dream. I, I don't think I dreamt that night, even though I know that's not physically true. We always dream, but I, it was just like, I fell asleep and then seven hours later opened my eyes, but I had this memory that I completely forgotten about. I was in this reading program in the sixth grade and the reading teacher quit with like six weeks to go in the semester. And so they asked parents to volunteer to to finish teaching it. I think we were reading Lord of the Flies and my mom volunteered. My mom who like really never showed up to stuff at my school, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I crowned mother Mary, she wasn't there and it was heartbreaking. But this one, she showed up for six weeks. Every Friday for six weeks, she came she read the book. My classmates loved her. She brought um, like whole king size Hershey bars every Friday for everyone in the class. And so they really loved her. And and, I, <laughs> and she was funny and she was charming. And anyway, it, it shamed me for a moment to realize I'd forgotten that. But as I sat up in bed, I was like looking for my phone to text my sisters. And then I just had this 
I could feel and almost hear my mom going, see, now calm down, bitch. I did do some things right. (laughs) (laughs) And it was with such like, the feelings was with such humor. It wasn't, it wasn't with any feeling of shame or how could you forget that? It was just like kind of a funny, like, yep, there aren't a whole lot of great memories, but here's a good one. Mm-hmm. So I felt like it was a little sign from her and I'm sure more will start to come to the surface as I heal. So thank you guys so much for taking time to keep my family and me and my mom in your thoughts and prayers. And it is funny that, uh, that listeners said, <laughs> Now she's with your dad. Cause that's something else. My sisters and I joked about like, well, dad had about a year of peace over there in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> now she'll be over there. Tom, what are you wearing? <laughs> okay. Well, thank you guys so much for um, taking time out to listen to the show and share all your beautiful thoughts and stories and synchronicities and questions with us. Please remember, you can always email us enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. We'd love for you to join us on our Facebook page, Enlightened Empaths. And as always, show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.